Hello everybody, welcome to the Don't Be Mad Podcast, your weekly dose of the homies, kicking it, shooting the shit, preparing for birthdays, but some of us got started earlier than the others. I'm your boy Matthew, okay, Lefty Lucky, and I'm joined here as always with... Jamali. And unfortunately, Jason thinks birthday sex is more important than recording an episode. Whack birthday sex, I presume. Because, whatever. Why are you here bedroom, bro? Just, huh? just do the intro, you know? I'm doing! the intro i also told him he was gonna get some jokes for not being here so let me let me give him some jokes it's his birthday he's probably feeling like an old man he probably uh woke up this morning and his back was hurting a bit more than usual you know because he's uh one more year up in age i know it was because it rained today his knee was probably singing crazy songs <laughs> oh wow entertaining <laughs> but I will give him his birthday shout out since he feels so inclined to take it off when we come here and do our part. Happy birthday, Jason. We love you. I hope you're enjoying yourself. I hope you stretched and limbered up before you jumped into bed with your beautiful girlfriend, Christina. Hey, Christina. Anything you want to add to that, Jamal? No. (laughs) Hey, Christina's parents, they're watching too. (laughs) Leave me out of this. I hope you kids used protection. (laughs) Jason's not a kid. Jason's old enough to have had children already. But he doesn't. And I'm assuming he doesn't want them right now. He does have other plans. So uh You can't plan for kids, bro. You can you can plan for kids. What are you talking about? Yeah. Maybe you don't plan for kids. You just roll the dice and hope for the best. I don't roll dice, I'm not you. Couple Hail Marys. (laughs) Nah, bro. (laughs) <laughs> not your football team what's my football team got to do with anything we'll that's, get to that that's what you guys we will doing. get to my football team right oh. tyler we will get to my football you team go, both you... of my football teams oh fuck chelsea hey hey come on why you gotta be like that is it because uh we're in third and you're in 11th whatever <laughs> So enthusiastic. How was your week? How's the mental health, Jamali? I'm great. Can't you tell? I can. I can tell so, so vividly. It's like the aura that you're presenting me. It's, it's just, it's brightening. It's, it's blinding. It is. Yeah, you know I mean, it's kind of like got like a purple trim to it. A purple trim. This Red in the middle. <laughs> very awkward. How's that awkward? That's your aura. That's what I'm sensing from you. It's a little bit of rage, but at the same time, it's a. Uh, it's a little palpable. It's it's calm. All right, let's get to some real shit. <laughs> Enough of your small talk and annoyance. It would be small talk if you talked. Give me a little chat back. No, no need to. <laughs> let's get it. Let's get it. My week was good. No one asked. Hey, hey, what respect, respect. I told respect. you, respect. No need for the respect. small talk. My week was good. Broncos won on Sunday. Okay, you beat, guys, you beat guys beat the Cleveland Brown. Yo, Browns, bro. Yo, you know what? That is three more wins than I gave my team this season. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm happy because <laughs> Tyler was talking shit last week about his nine-week nine week winning streak. Started <laughs> off with he a He said loss. it was going to start with us. <laughs> and oh, it's well. the, for us, it was uh, Brandon Allen holding it down. And since Joe Flacco's out, which, I mean, is it a blessing in disguise? It Who most knows? likely is. Maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe it's too early to say. You know, it, it is the Browns. You know, like, we can't put that win on a pedestal. It was against Tyler's Browns. <laughs> well, it's, 
I mean, shit. <laughs> Tyler's very sad. <laughs> very dysfunctional. <laughs> Baker Mayfield led Browns. Oh, yeah. Baker Mayfield did his thing. Yeah. Oh, yo, he, he did his thing all right. Pulled up another L. Uh, you, you love to see it. Or in Tyler's case, you hate to see it. Well, I mean, I'm happy because he was talking shit from the beginning of the season about how great these Cleveland Browns are going to be hey, since man. Odell Look, Beckham. I never to get jump. mad at anyone for talking shit, but you got to back it up. You got to back it up. Hey, it is what it is. I infamously cheer for a lot of shit talkers. You know, like we were just watching the UFC clip uh, or like the highlights of Masvidal. You know, he's a shit talker, but he backs it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey. I respect it. I respect it fully. For me, football's over, so I really don't care to talk about it. Hey, hey, your your Giants almost pulled it off. Shut up. Yo, they almost pulled off. Look, you, you went up against the best team in your division, and you gave them a hard time. All right, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about things that really matter. <laughs> What's on your heart? Well, you were talking about the whole ledge situation. I think that's very interesting. Or we're we're going to jump right into the series. Yes, there's, why not? All right, let's go for it. So go ahead. And tell, me what, tell the audience what well, you're Well, basically, a study came out that was uh, conducted from a few journalists, American journalists specifically, that went across all like uh, Canadian cities, some major, some small, and found that in certain parts of Canadian cities, they had lead in the water that was comparable to, or in some cases worse than Flint, Michigan. And basically it's something that hasn't been reported widespread. It is in most cases, wasn't even known for a lot of Canadian citizens. And it's caused a bit of an uproar. Pretty crazy when you think about it, right? It is. Cause I mean, like when the whole situation with Flint happened, it was something that like nationally was a crisis. Like a lot of people were talking about, but on top of it, it was this, view that people were waiting to see what was going to be done about it, you know? and Because you think about it, we know, like, in certain areas with Aboriginal population, they don't have drinking water, yeah. period. Like, access to or just even and water to that would be we, polluted for right, that time. You know what I mean? And so to think that you have those cases, which I think is extreme, and now you had places where you think you have drinkable water, yeah, and to come to find out that it's, you know, it's Polluted with lead. Contain, it's yeah. scary. No, it is. And one thing to really consider is, A, how long has this been going on? Like, how, long, been, how long has it been known, first yeah. and foremost? Well, that's the thing. It's like, how long has it been going on? How long has it been known? And then from it being known, what exactly was being done about it? You know, because they, although it's not like the complete cities, they have said like certain specific areas were affected by it. And a lot of it came about from... These journalists just saying, hey, go take some of your water, go to this facility. Like they're like known as like a tester. Right. And just test the water, tell them where you got your water from. And then from that, they were basically getting the research. And there was like a couple thousand in each city that they did who from every area that they were conducting that did it so that they can find like the averages of what the lead to water. And was this in like obviously you know, impoverished or environments? No, like, it was all over. Like, they went every... So you're telling me, like, particularly this could be, like, a Westmount issue? It could be, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I remember, like, I had the list. I was looking for it before we started, but I think I might have accidentally deleted the webpage that I had, and it's going to take a while to, like, search. Like, because they had 
especially for Montreal, like each area that they said had either comparable to or more than. Wow. So I'll try to do a little scrolling afterwards. Is DG in that list? Huh? DG's on that list? Did not see any G, so I was like, whew. Thank God. <laughs> I'm not drinking water outside <laughs> that's of the like, hood. That's why I looked for the list. I was like, yo, let me just find out. Like, I am not drinking water outside <laughs> I did of the not hood. see any G on the list, so I felt good. But at the same time, I still was just like, yo, this is fucked up because, you know, like, especially for a lot of Canadian cities, I know us specifically, tap water, you put it in a pitcher put it in the fridge like you don't really think much of it you know you don't actually you know because we're not in one of those places where we constantly get the warnings of you got to boil the water first there you go so from that it's like to hear you have this huge issue now that we could have been potentially consuming washing cooking with contaminated water for an extended period of time. time right you need to find out how long this was going on and yeah. who was aware of it and the potential you know. health effects that it could have had on you or family members. Oh, yeah. Like, basically, the, the potential of like, like for your health and what it could have done is pretty steep. Damn. Fucked up world, man. Nobody's safe. <laughs> Yo, it's crazy, though. Like, like just the mere like thought, because I remember when I saw the story come up. I honestly thought it was a joke. Like I thought it was one of those things. You know how like every now and then on social media, just like a random thing will pop up and like you got to really consider the source. Right. And because it wasn't like any quote unquote legitimate news sources, I was just right. kind of like, all right, what the fuck is this? You know? And then global picks it up and they w- like did a bit of research on who had done it and realized, no, like this is actually a legitimate legit. source. Wow. And they, I think what they had done was they went to the facilities that were essentially had people that came in and test and they're like, yeah, like this is what we found in the water. Damn. So I know once this, like uh, once the story came out, basically what people were saying is go to one of these facilities with your tap water and find out, you know, like pretty much put more data into this so we can really find out how severe it is. Do you really? I mean, across the board. At this point, you can't even trust your tap water. You might as well just buy bottled water and well survive off that. But even with that, it's like some of these facilities, what, what we know of bottled water today, tap water, you know, but like I'm saying like what we know of like what plastic and, but it those. doesn't matter, but most of them are filled up by same systems. So no, so even yeah, <laughs> if it's coming from one of these areas, you may have to test that as well because you that never know. That would get me a barrel, catch all the rain and snow, <laughs> and catch filter that shit out. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't that illegal? How is it illegal? I think it is. It might be. No, it's not. No, like I'm, I'm not even saying that as a joke. Like I think it actually might be illegal. It's to illegal like, to trap rainwater. Yeah, I think so. They want to kill us then. Yo, it's fucked, man. There's a reason. Fuck out of here. The government's I'm, fucked up, bro. <laughs> That's crazy. But even with, uh, what do you think of what's going on in Montreal with the whole uh, language issue where now they, I've even seen a report where they're like, if you're a hockey player on the Canadians, you should have a functional level of French. Like I've, when it comes to these language laws, everything they do to protect and preserve Quebec traditions, it's literally just their way of saying, we're trying to push everything out without just actively doing what the Americans do, which is just say, get out, you know, like, (laughs) no, like that's literally what it is. It's like, how do you make people not want to come here? How do you make businesses that aren't going to essentially buy into Quebec specifically not come here? And it's 
Right. We just keep creating stricter and stricter language laws. But do you think that it is n- that it should be necessary for people who live within Quebec to be bilingual? I think to an extent, yeah. I mean, like just for the simple fact that it is a French predominant area, so it would be good to, if you're here, know the language to some extent. I don't think when it comes to business, in a sense, and that's the one place that I find that it's, that's where we shoot ourselves in the foot. Right. Because essentially when you're looking at the economics of the province and what would be better for it, it would be to welcome in businesses, not to a point where it's like, all right, you come in, you make your money, but you don't put back into the province itself. But right. you think of like the jobs that could be created if like some of these major companies, especially knowing that you're in a place that already has a lot of bilingual, trilingual people within its borders. Probably got to the whole. Because, yeah, like, you know I mean? like how many people do we know that speak three plus languages? Like a lot. It's a lot of people. So. If you think of that from a business sense, you already have that potential to have one of the most exceptional cosmopolitan hubs for business. For sure. Where the economy could be booming to the point where it would be- From a global perspective. Yeah. Like, imagine if you had a Silicon Valley in Quebec because that that could extend beyond just tech itself because of how the languages would be able to go from, you think, about- the English that we have, the French we have, then think about the the big Arabic community, Arab community that we have, then on top of the African community that we have, the Chinese community, Mm -hmm. like the extent that you could have in creating those bridges within this province, or I know what I'm speaking of is mostly like of the major cities of this province, but just in general, having the French and English here and knowing that you promote that to get businesses to come this province within itself should be one of the richest in the country, without a doubt. Right. I mean, in North America, I think there's a very few countries within North America that you could find the levels of polygats. Yeah. In comparative, like, I think Toronto might be close, Vancouver, but I think all in all, Quebec is probably yeah. ahead of it. No, like, yeah, definitely Toronto is, is one of those places where you can have that. And I know, like, we're speaking from this from the scope of how Montreal is so culturally diverse, but that would extend beyond if you're seeing the boom that can happen if you just allow things to come in. Right. You know, and then it's all right. Even if it, if the nexus of it all is in Montreal, companies will expand and extend into some of these other cities that are here. Even some of the smaller cities you create businesses like Amazon would come in. And I know like that's like, probably one of like the best worst scenarios because we know how kind of like what's the best way to say it as good as they are as creating jobs and boosting an economy they can also be very horrible based on treatment of workers i mean it depends how you look at it i mean do i like it's like the walmart concept right exactly like that that would be the best way to explain so you know walmart comes in all the mom and pops businesses go down or out. Yeah. You, know, you see even staples in their communities, i.e. Zellers. I'm, I'm sure there was a management mm-hmm. issue beyond that as well, but I'm sure the presence of Walmart how obviously came and went, you know, help. Huh? <laughs> I said how target came and went. Oh, yeah. They just had a bad, <laughs> en- you know, their entry strategy was poor and it, it led to what it led to. But I do agree with you. Cause I mean, having worked in the call center environment, I know, a lot, a lot, a lot of companies from banks, 
telecom, uh, pharmaceuticals. They're all based here in Montreal just for the fact that you can have even travel agencies. Yeah, uh, A lot of them are based here in Montreal um, where, you know, you call in and you have people who speak, you know, diverse languages and get service. I do agree with you. It would be really dope. But it's like, in a way, like I obviously from an immigrant perspective, I do see like how, you know, their laws hinder people from actually having the desire to come into Quebec. But I got to say on a, li a, a little part of me, being that I came here at the age of nine, you know, spoke only English, or at least you could call it patois, <laughs> fresh <laughs> off the boat. And I do see the benefit of knowing French. And I yeah. have friends who were born here who don't speak a lick of French. And yeah. I think that's the most stupidest thing. Like you have an opportunity where you could learn a second or third language. Why would you not take off? you know, the opportunity to do so. That being said, I think the going about it where you're pressuring people to do it is where it becomes distasteful. It becomes yeah. a bit of where you're going to get pushback. But I do think as immigrants, I mean, let's be honest. If I went to China and I was trying to survive, I would have to learn Chinese, yeah, whether it's Mandarin or can Cantonese. At least the basic phrases, you know? <laughs> right. If I went anywhere in the world, I would have to, and I don't speak the language they spoke, I would have to learn it. Mm. I think the way Quebec is going about it is that they're making their language issue, because I think any normal person would go for it. And let's be honest, if you're going outside of the bounds of Montreal, Laval, you know, even St. Constant, Dorian area, you're going to need French. Yeah, like all Quebec those City, there, you it's, might it's get away French. with it a bit. Yeah. yeah. But real talk, like, I don't think it's a need for them to, like, we have the school board issue right mm -hmm. now where they're trying to abolish that. The language police, we, you know, we had Bill 101. I was affected by Bill 101. Mm. So I was forced to go to French school. <laughs> You know, they were trying to extend that now to colleges, yeah, which I, I think is a too. bit... Like, I think that's a bit much. Yeah, I've, if I'm paying my own money, and I'm not my own money, obviously, I know colleges are subsidized by the government. If I'm trying to, you know, do something for my own good and making decisions for my future, I think I should have the right to choose a language yeah. in which I learn it. Um, but yeah, it was quite interesting of a week and seeing all these different issues present itself um, and how people are reacting to it. But I do think it's necessary. I think to, if I'm going to be fair, hey, if you're going to go into somebody's house, you got to live by their rules. Some of the rules are a bit extreme, but put it this way, you, you're not going to lose learning French. And no, and that's the thing. Like I, I completely agree with that. If you're going to be here, you should at least know it. And I feel like on the same idea is like the only place where we shoot ourselves in the foot is when we just try to make it stricter and stricter. Right. Because then it's either you have the people who essentially have no choice. They're here. They don't have the means to go anywhere else. Right. They have to say they will follow the rules or right. the people who have the means are just going to be like, well, screw it. I'll take my money and my business ideas and everything elsewhere. You know, so it's that catch 22 of, yeah, the people that are here, they'll follow into it. They'll learn French. And they'll be forced into the system as you want it to be. But then the potential of the growth you could have had if you just took a step back and just said, look, French is here. Look, in the educational system side, right. 
cool. If you want to do the Bill 101 thing and have them go, do that. So be it. But beyond that, to force it even more to the point where it's just like now you have adults going into CJEP or university who have that choice, have that agency to make their decisions, and you're trying to take that away from them now, it's like that's where you got to really just assess what type of lines are we trying to draw here and, and what exactly are those long-term benefits to our population, our economy in doing so. I think the, the thing, I think also the problem why they push so hard is because I feel like they probably believe that there's a pushback that they get from, you know, the immigrant community. Because mm. I think, and I mean, if you think about it, from an immigrant perspective, if you get, be it however you come to Quebec, minor, minus sponsorship, like spousal sponsorship and adoption, every other faucet where you enter into Quebec, they offer you, you know, within the first year, some f form of language for free. Mm. You can go in, they'll, they'll give you, and I think that's, that's, that's a cool thing to do. You're not paying out of pocket. It's reasonable. They're, reason they're reasonable with you. I think people just have this, as immigrants, I don't know why, I don't know when it started, this nature of kicking back against it. But what we don't realize on the grander, the grand scheme of it all is that the world's getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. People are getting closer and closer. If we could communicate, the more language you could communicate with the better. or in, the more likelihood you are to be successful, you know? And I think maybe as immigrants, we should look at this and be like, you know what? Hey, let's find some common ground. Obviously, the you know, they're saying to take away the high, you know, the bonjour high policy that they have, which is I pathetic. Like they do every year. Every year you it know? happens. <laughs> but, you know, they're just like, you know, we should take that away. It's like that's the same conversation as like the Merry Christmas and shopping centers. Like it's every yeah. year. Say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Get rid of the high in front after the bonjour. It's like, dude, come on, man. I mean, I think it's pathetic. But I mean, again, this is what we we have when we have when we live in a sensitive community. Hmm. Everything is offensive. Everybody get offended. Well, everybody's looking to be offended. I think that. But everybody gets offended. It, well, yeah. Look, everybody gets offended when the offense occurs. But today, it's more people looking to be offended to right. have something to chirp about. Right. You know, it's like it's one of these things of how you know we had this whole stance on you know being against bullying, which you know, great thing. Right. Like we bullying isn't a good thing at all we shouldn't have that no but what ended up happening in that was people going out of their way to spot and destroy and demean bullies which is bullying exactly so it's like Counterproductive. you saw the people who were bullied become the bullies because they're like yeah you did this to me right. you're a bad person and right. it's like at some point i f like you look at the situation that we're creating with all this and it's like we got to remind people the things that offend you to do those things makes you the offender. Like you, you are no better than that person if right. you do that and take this approach. So yeah, like in your topic of people being offended and going out of their way to be offended and this whole bonjour high thing, it's like right. somebody saying bonjour high, it does absolutely nothing to you. Oh yeah. I mean, we've seen cases and we've heard cases, obviously, you know, the full scope of it, but like, you know, you, there was like, I think, last this year actually earlier this year 
there was that woman who died at a French hospital because she couldn't speak English because they were just not trying. Yeah, pretty much. They flat out ignored her. And I feel like, you know, when people losing life like that, I think that's pretty pathetic. Um, I mean, we see how much money we we disperse in like hospital costs. Just, you know, we're rebuilding the children's, but we're also rebuilding the Saint-Justin because the French people need their own children's hospital as, you know what I mean? Like the English do. It's just, I feel like with the whole separation, I feel like it's unnecessary. I think they might need to have some sort of common ground because it's like, it's stupid. Like you have hockey players who come here. It's a business transaction. They should not be subject to your... I, I think they do pay taxes in Quebec. Yeah, yeah they, they have they to. Do. I don't think they should be subject to your language laws. They're not right. speaking. They're, I mean, they're professional athletes right. who, in most cases, aren't from here. They're picked up from the organization. So th- in some cases, them being here is not their choice. It's, right. You were drafted or traded here. Right. Or you were a free agent and they picked you up off of waivers. Like, <laughs> this is the situation for you. Right. So to now have them be forced into what tutoring classes? <laughs> like you literally have some guys that don't even speak English right. in hockey. Like they're from, you know, Europe, they're yeah. Russian, right. they're Swedish, Ukraine, you know, and like Swedish, they're Finn, trying to learn Finnish. English right. so that they can function with their teammates, let alone now you're telling people like if they're on the Canadians, yeah, you gotta <laughs> learn French. Like, try to force them that? Like, yeah, imagine, I'm trying to learn English, and now, oh, I have to learn both English and French to accommodate this place that I'm playing in. Good luck for the Nordiques returning. That, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, imagine Quebec trying to force this on one of the original six franchises. Would you want to bring the Nordiques back? Hell no. <laughs> like, now you're essentially something that Quebec really wants to happen. You're making the NHL look at it like, nah. you know what? On second thought... <laughs> Maybe we go back to Atlanta. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yo, they're gonna have a bunch of Eric Lindros. That's all I know. But it's, it's they get drafted man. and they'll be like, um, yeah. So I'm gonna sit out this year until. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just ridiculous. Like at a certain point, you got to really ask yourself, what are you complaining about? You know. Well, it's also I think like we do have a contributing factor to it, where I think like a lot of emigrant. I'm not gonna say anglophones you know, are very, you know, they push against it. And I think they feel like they need to push back. I also feel like what they fail to realize, like English is such a commonly spoke spoken language across the globe that people pick up. I remember when I was in elementary school, it was, first of all, you can get a detention if you spoke English during school hours. <laughs> no joke. You would miss your lunch. Like they would, they would like, you're not going outside to play. And, like, we had, like, these Chinese kids. I remember Yiping and Suyu were, like, they spoke not even a lick of English when we were in, like, welcome class together. And in three, four months, they were able to pick it up like this. Mm. And then they're still struggling with French. And I'm sure, like, when they see, like, they need to be realistic in the way languages are learned. You know what I mean? Like, your TV's English. You're going to watch more English content, music. And, you know, I think they need to make the culture inclusive so that people would Mm. have the desire. Like, we don't see a lot of Asian French people on TV. Mm. You get what I'm saying? We we see a lot of black French people, but then they don't represent the the majority of black folks, right? They're going to be probably from, like, a French colony. (laughs) 
No, legit. You know, I don't want to sound Afri- like one of the African. You know what I mean? I don't like sound Senegal. fucked up, but it's the truth. Yeah. You don't. You, you know. You don't. Ha- you hardly see representation from like the English islands uh, of you know speaking French. There is a few, but you know they're yeah, no, far few in between. You're not far off, <laughs> right? So, like, I think if Quebec was to be more inclusive with having other race who and there is fully functional people with it. I speak French. I think decently. I'm not going to speak French now, but I, <laughs> unless you cut in the check, I, that's when I speak French. If you cut in the check, I can speak French to you. But no, they should. If they want immigrants to be, you know, to learn, make it inclusive. Yeah. How cool would it be to have? I never seen a Chinese guy. No, I think about it. I've never seen a Chinese guy on TV that spoke French. You know, I would probably have to agree with you. Like, because one of the things too, like I, because even for myself, like I'll watch like a, a few French shows, just to like keep the practice going because it's not my mother that. tongue. And yeah, like usually it's it's white or black, like it's it's not real or Arab. Like there's not yeah. really anything beyond that. No, like I really can't remember the last time I watched a show that was like Quebec based French and saw like a French Asian person. <laughs> like and like I'm not saying up to be funny or anything. Like no, I'm dead serious. And you know, like people at home, like. If you know a show or if you've seen an episode or something, or maybe a talk show, send it our way. Let me know. Let's post the I'm link. I'm curious. But like, legit, like I, I can't think of any time that I remember such a thing happening. You know, maybe RDS. But even then, like. What are they, what is he sports, commentating on what? Badminton? Sports, but I mean, that, like, that's maybe the only time I could be like. I never seen something. that either. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's kind of fucked. Like, <laughs> like, wait, huh? <laughs> Considering our conversation before the mic got hot with, uh, I'm not going to call the radio station out. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's cool. It's Gucci. It's Gucci. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. Like, I think they need to have representation for people to be, you know, involved. Like, I, you know, I watch a lot of like European shit. You know what I mean? Like shows, not shit, but shows. UK? Not just UK, but like, even like you watch some soccer players, yeah, they may not necessarily speak a language fluently, but they know how to, yeah, they, you know, learn, l- learn, and they communicate. And I think it's because there's other, yeah. you know, people that look like them that speak the language. Oh, yeah, and then, like you think of like a sport like like soccer, right? And you think of the extent of how it goes, like the major leagues that they have, you right? Know, like you have in the UK, you have in France, right. you have Italy, Spain, right? You know, Germany as well, and a lot of times these players, they go in between, they go back and forth, or they have players from those countries right. coming in. So for the most part, you want to, especially if you're a manager, you want to have like at least three languages under your belt. So right. it's like if for any reason one of them will be able to understand it and then maybe somebody will be able to translate it, you right. know? Which like I mean, you look at a, a player like Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo or even Messi, they're not English-speaking people. No, you know what I mean. But they, they, you when they do give an interview in English, you could see they try. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think that's how you you're supposed to build and be welcoming. I, I think Quebec need to revise its whole strategy and yeah, like yeah. I can understand when it comes to the citizenship and the people that you're bringing in, one hundred percent. Like if you want to have those language laws that alchemate them to the language, obviously in not in the sense of what we were saying before of like force feeding it, but just make it so the language is accessible and that they can learn it and be able to function within the province. But 
when players that are here for three, four seasons, you know, sometimes even less time than that, like to force them to know the language, you're, you're pushing the buttons. Oh, you can't. No, I think there's no place in it. You can't do it for first for soccer. You can't force impact players to learn it. You shouldn't be able to force Alouette players to learn it or any professional level sport mm. where, you know, players are coming from all over the place. You can't. That, that's completely yeah. out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you, you're going to tell me you're going to have an executive from Bell Canada that comes here for, you know, three, four months or even three years and you're going to force him to. Le- no, you can't do that. Cut it out. <laughs> all I right. think they need to, to cut that out. But best of luck for all uh, us Quebecers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There was a, a story that came out from uh, Jackie McMullen about uh, Kyrie Irving and his mood swings that I wanted to touch on a bit. I don't know if you, did you hear about this? Yeah, I definitely did. Yeah, so uh, for the people at home, basically uh, it's Jackie McMullen, who's one of the most respected sports writers that is out today. Like she's based in Boston, has talked about the Celtics, Patriots, pretty much across the board on Boston sports. And she had a piece that came out that was essentially talking about some of the issues that the Celtics had had with Kyrie Irving when it came to like his emotional state, his mood swings, and just the way he goes about his day to day in basketball. And this was coming off the heels of a situation that happened with the Brooklyn Nets where they were having to be a little bit more cautious to the way Kyrie works because there were situations that happened when they were over in China where you know there was a day where maybe he was like super inviting, talking to everyone, things of that nature, and then. The very next day, he's just very cold, you know, not really embracing people he was talking to, like, openly for hours the day before. He's now, like, not even, like, looking at them when he's walking by them type of thing, you know? And a conversation was started about how, at what point do we draw the line of having these conversations about players when we also have these conversations about mental health? And just at what point are we not prioritizing somebody's mental health for the sake of what we feel like the league policies and rules are in terms of like talking to media and things of that nature, you know? Right. And I don't know how you feel about this, but like the way I was looking at it is, you know, like we've had many talks about Kyrie as like the player, you know, and, and how a lot of times these conversations come about, like, is he a leader? Is he somebody that can lead a team and things of that nature? And the one thing I think we've always been able to agree upon is he has the skill. He's the type of guy, you know, you can put out there and he's going to give the effort. But when it comes to the things outside of basketball, maybe that's his hindrance. Right. And even with that, I've looked at it like with this story coming out at a certain point, when are we going to start? stop trying to force feed these players to be more than what they actually want to be for the sake of, you know, what we have going on in social media, these policies that the NBA puts out where it's like we force players to talk to media so that they can have their sound bites and their like two, three minute clips on ESPN. And when exactly are we going to prioritize that? Like maybe these players aren't in the positions where we should be making them do these things. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I find it ironic that it comes out after he leaves Boston. No, I, I was that's, very. That's another topic in itself. I was just like, you know, like okay, he was there for a good three years. Yeah, two, two, three. I think two. 
No, he broke his his leg on the first year. That's true. Yeah, he didn't play. Then he yeah, did three. play three years. He was there for three, right? Because you know, I find it ironic that she chose to put out that piece now. And the thing I have really is again, it goes back to what we were talking earlier, just a while ago, actually, about sensitivity. Now, am I supposed to be happy every single moment? No, human. You know. There are dichotomies in, within one individual. I think, hey, it's obviously strange. You know, there's days when you and I could have a really good conversation, mm. like today. <laughs> Don't ruin it. <laughs> I know you're known for it. Don't get me started. <laughs> but then there's moments where, like, you just get on my last nerve, and I'm like, I fucking hate this kid. But you know what I mean? At the same, these guys are humans, they're not robots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they have a lot going, you know, on within their heads, and obviously being wealthy, they probably have businesses they're mm-hmm. doing. You know, they have to trust a lot of people. When you have to trust a lot of people, or rely on a lot of people for shit, you get into your head as well. You know, you like is yeah. this person? You know, he might have gone out and met a nice young lady, and he's like, I really like her, but is she with me for me or she's with me for my money? Or he might have. You know, a business that's running and doing well, but then family members saying like, oh, the business manager's taking money. Like, you never know what people, these yeah. guys go through. And I think it's not a mental health issue per se. I just think it's a a concept. It's like the same thing like where people like, uh, I forgot her name, the reporter from Fox when she was telling LeBron to shut up and dribble. It's sort of like, these guys are human. They should be able to express themselves as normal human beings. Yeah. You know, they're not supposed to be jovial every step of the way and yes obviously at the same time you know Kyrie should be mindful of the fact that everybody's not in his head everybody doesn't know what's going on and maybe he should be expressive but at the end of the day what brings all these guys together is basketball and as long as he's performing on the court and he's you know he's not doing anything to to diminish the value of the NBA or the team that pays him Mm. I think they should leave him alone. Yeah, no, because like I look at it as, you know, I, I look from my perspective where I know I don't have all eyes on me, but I still have days where it's like, let's say I go to work. I have a day where I'm come in full of spirit, full of energy, saying hi to everyone. You know, how are you doing? You ready to get the day started? No, no, no. Like the, the small talk I'm actually willing to do. Then I'll have other days where I come in and I'm just like, don't want to say a word. Let me just get my things, go to my station, do what I have to do. Let me get this eight hours over with type of thing. Pretty much. And yeah. I do that without having hundreds of thousands to millions of people constantly messaging me, having people recognize me anywhere I go, having people constantly criticizing the work that I do, you know, having to constantly perform at the highest level on the biggest stage night in and night out. And on top of that, being able to literally get away and disconnect and become a ghost within society, if need be, once my job is done. Oh, Whereas most definitely. when you look at not just Kyrie in a sense, but these players or athletes in general, like we have. Or celebrity turned, in general. Well, that's what I'm, I'm getting to. Like we have turned the athlete into celebrity. We've turned it to a position where it's like who we have you in our heads is who we expect you to be at all times. Right. And we don't give them a break. Like usually for athletes, they only had to deal with the media and they only had to deal with the fans during the season. Right. Once the off season came, it was like, we didn't know 
what they were doing, who they were with, how right. they were training. It was like it's the off season. They, yeah, kind of a they, private. They literally yeah, had to privacy. An extent, yeah, to, like, to a certain degree. To an extent, to the masses at that point. Not that they're out of sight, out of mind, but it's like they got that amount of separation. But now, because everything is at the tip of the fingers, these guys have no escape. And it's a wonder that we don't have more people who are essentially showing the signs of, like, I want to say the mental wear and tear of just wanting to essentially break away within the moments of being within that spotlight. You know, you have guys that will go the extra mile to appease the masses of the people and do things that will help them, you know, get like an inside look of who they are. But I think it was what, two seasons ago where there was a really big discussion on the mental health of athletes in this day and age of having constant communication or, or at least the fans having constant communication to them. Right. I mean, you see it to the point where like certain athletes and celebrities for that matter will dis like they'll disconnect the comment section so like they'll oh, put the post yeah. and you can't say anything because i mean bringing it to like uk football there was a situation that happened in arsenal where their captain who for months from the fans was getting bantered at like just they were just saying yeah, horrible things think, to him yeah, i remember horrible things to his wife wishing horrible things on his daughter to the point where like he just completely disconnected fans from being able to communicate with him on social media. And then it just went from, okay, we can't do it to you on social media. We'll do it to you at the game. And, you know, he's getting substituted off and they're getting like the sarcastic applauding. They're booing him. And when he breaks, essentially just flips off the fans, tells them to fuck off straight up. And then yeah. when he's walking off, he like took his jersey off. They're flipping out like, oh, you're the captain. You can't do this. But it's like you guys for months have been belittling this man, oh, treating yeah. him like shit. You know, and, and it's not just an Arsenal thing. Like you see it with. Martinelli, how many times did he cry getting you know, off like, the pitch? Mario Bolatelli recently just came off the pitch because there was racist <laughs> chants coming from a specific section of an arena. Right. And then Samuel he, Eto and he took the ball and walked off. You know, like, and <laughs> these it comes to a point where you expect these people to just eat the shit you constantly throw at them. Right. You know, like, and and you think they have to do this because they wear a certain jersey or wear a certain color. and, and Or they is, make money. That's you know, all. And, and it's like, yeah, it it's like you get paid millions of dollars Lord. to go out there and perform the way I want you to, or this is what I'm going to do to you. Right. But at the end of the day, these people are still human. And the fact that you don't have more cases of people either doing what Kyrie does from time to time, which is, and I don't think it's a mental health issue at all. No. I think it's literally just his way of, I need to break away from you guys. Yeah. Like, you know, give me a second. It's like, let me I'm breathe. going to do this because if not, I may snap. Oh, yeah. Or you have the situation that happened in Arsenal where the captain says, you know what? I'm not going to hold my tongue anymore. Enough and is says, enough. Fuck you guys. Yeah. You don't deserve the best for me. You guys are assholes. You guys have said horrible things to me and my family. Why should I hold my tongue anymore? You know, like, and it, it gets to a point where I feel like the fans and the media, the reporters themselves, we have to really start looking at the way we go about our approach with these athletes and these celebrities. Because well, I think also, too, one of the major things that plays. A major, obviously, social media. Like, 
prior to 2006, it's not that old. I mean, I remember when we went into Dawson, you know, to get a Facebook account, you had to have a college Yeah, you had email. to be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had to have the college email right. or you had to have somebody who was already a member right. send you the invite. Right. And to see where it has, you know, in 13 years, what it has grown to be, I think that's a major, major thing. Because prior to then, you know, I don't know what Michael Jordan was doing in the off season. Was he really lifting weights? I don't know. He was gambling. 99%. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Did he leave the earth and come back? You know what I mean? Like, we don't know. And I think the fact that we have such, I think, accessibility, I yeah. would say, that's the, yeah, it's successful. We have so, such a you know a, 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 an accessibility to these guys that you know a fan could say something, and you know we've seen people go off on fans. Yeah, we've seen people go off on Malice in just, the Palace, man. You know, just, not no, not like that. I'm talking on social media <laughs> where you could say one thing and then it just a ripple effect, and you could ruin people's Speaking day. Speaking of, there was. Uh, Oh, I can't remember his name, but a Browns player who, after the match against my Broncos, who beat them, he actually went on like a full-on Twitter rant and just attacking anybody who was, in, but like full-on saying, "Yo, I will kill you," to the point where like the Browns are just like, "Yo, we have to release you. Like this is bad." Oh, but wow. it's it's also like, "Yo, I just lost the game, right?" And the first thing I'm getting is like literally thousands of people in my mentions saying you're a piece of shit you're horrible you're this you're that and he lashes out because i mean albeit way beyond what you should but him lashing is it really out, way like, beyond that it should or it's based well, on the stage i in say which you're a piece of shit you say yo send me your location i'll kill you today like yeah that's a bit much no <laughs> it's not a bit much because if you take it into into i think it's wrong i'm not saying it's not but let's say social media didn't exist and he was walking out of the stadium and someone told him that I'm going to fuck you up. It's whoever is in the hearing of that. Yeah. But when you do it on social media, a person who like yourself in Montreal, who wasn't even close to the event has yeah. an opinion, right? You, we, you, and your opinion is rightfully just entitled to it. And you're entitled to it. And I think that's the problem. A lot of these things gets put on, a platform that it shouldn't have to be on. Like, I don't think the article was necessary. I think if the article was necessary, it would have been released a long time ago or should have been released a long time ago. And I feel like if there is an issue with any player and an organization about the way he handles himself within the organization, should be addressed within the organization. It shouldn't be something for us to have a debate on mm. because, again, there's so many facets to one individual and some so much extension to their life that we don't really know what could trigger certain people. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think it was stupid for her to even publish it. To well, be no, quite I, I won't say that because I personally I think these conversations in general, whether for or against the premise of it, they are good to have because it opens up a window into just the way we understand the angles we're taking. Because I don't think she put it. Well, based on like the portions of it I read, I, I can say she didn't put it out to be malicious. It wasn't coming from a, a position of, you know, this is what's wrong with him. It was more of let's try to understand him. But the only place I felt it lacked a bit was just 
understanding the pressures beyond just the mental state or the person that we have grown to know Kyrie to be at this point. What also why I say it was unnecessary is because her perspective, her opinions are not shared by teammates of his. Which I can't say which team or don't. We can't say they they they, do. No, we could say that because we know for a fact that players are very are very outspoken. No, 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 no. The whole lot of said. Let me finish my point. No, they're not. Let me finish my point. I think if Kyrie was the way she was describing him to be, he was on a team with LeBron James, Kevin Love, you know, a lot of other players who are not afraid to speak their mind. Mm-hmm. Then he gets on Boston, and we know Boston, those kids up in Boston wasn't, you know, from smart wasn't the smartest person, even though that was his last name. You know, he was very outspoken. They would have said something. Everybody has very positive things to say about him as a teammate. Granted, yes, some people are just going to be like, yo, I don't want to get into a conversation. I'm just going to be like, hey, this is a politically correct answer. It was great playing yeah. ball with him. But I think if it was such a problem, it, was some, it would have been brought to the forefront by I, somebody. I think you underestimate the power of camaraderie within sports leagues itself. No, because I don't. There's, if there's one thing that you see like within teams, especially like you mentioned how he was on a team with LeBron and Kevin Love, in that situation, he wasn't the face of the franchise. Correct. Even though, yeah, the media would come and talk because he was arguably the second best player on that team. Right. And at times of best. Everything went through LeBron. Right. And of what we know of LeBron when it comes to the teams he plays on, he does whatever he needs to do to make sure that the team runs fluidly. Right. So why put Kyrie in a position where the things that we know may be a negative for him will come to the light? I don't think those players in any way, shape, or form would have wanted whatever things they may have felt were an issue towards him right. to come out. Even in Boston where right. – you know, coming towards the end of it, stories were coming out, or at least rumors of the way Kyrie is mentally, the way he is with players and with staff. They were sure, but nothing was provable because outside of what was going on in the team, nobody was coming out and saying this is definitive. It yeah, was but always you're, you're not going to have a, a superstar like Kevin Love, LeBron James, uh, Tatum, Smart come out and say shit. It's going to be. The 12th guy on the bench who... But even with that, the 12th man isn't going to risk it because he's not in a position where he's going to have protection. Right. It, and and it's understanding, especially when it comes to teams. Somebody would have said it. Things that happen within the team or within the club, you don't go out and start, start saying it. Because once that happens, now you will literally either get Reprimanded. traded away... Cut, cut, right? Get you know, it. like or shun. You're going to be riding the bench for however long until we feel like you're trustworthy again. Like it's not what you never want to break that trust, and you won't even do it once they leave because then it's a matter of, oh, you're the type of person. Like, look at D'Angelo Russell. How long did it take D'Angelo Russell to come to a point where it's like we don't bring up that situation of him holding the camera up and recording Nick Young? We still bring it up. But, like, I mean, in a sense of we bring it up as an example, but for a long time, it was brought up as a detriment to him. Right. Absolutely. We're beyond it being a detriment. We look at him now as, you know what, like, you've come into your own. You've you've come beyond that situation. And now that situation is more of a teachable moment and an example for everybody else to be like, this is what you don't do. He literally got traded away because of that. Look at Antonio Brown. Everybody says the shit that he did in the locker room when he was 
like Facebook Live or Instagram Living when Tomlin was having his speech. You don't do that. So when it comes to your team, when it comes to especially things that happen behind closed doors, you don't make it public. Grant, I agree with you on that. But I think if his problem was detrimental, like, I mean, we see what happened to Antonio Brown. I'm sure DeAndre Russell, what, despite this is what we know him for, I'm sure there's probably other things, plus his age is a bit, you know, in question as well, um, was causing issues or friction within the team. That being said, I do believe that if someone was an ass to work with, as how the article is trying to describe Kyrie, as temperamented, as someone who has... Mood you know, swings. Uh, mood swings. Like the know. biggest thing they were saying is the mood swings. Right. I think if that was the issue... I, I, it would have it would have came somehow some way would have came to the forefront a long way before she said it like he's been in the league for eight years yeah I mean come on and think about the the one time that it was ever issue was during that time where he was the face right and it's one of those things too where when you become that person who you know you came out of your way to say you know you wanted to be a leader you wanted to be here for a long time like these are his words. So now you put yourself in a position where, all right, if this is who you want to be, these are the the responsibilities that come along with it. And then when you don't live up to those responsibilities, that's when the rumors start. He goes to Brooklyn, and now those same rumors that were in Boston are happening in Brooklyn. Uh, I didn't hear any rumors from Brooklyn. Yeah, when he was over in China, like the the conversations that were coming about, his mood swings from there. It wasn't really a mood. I don't think that as a mood thing. I just think it as like, yo, especially consider what went on in China while they were there. Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't even a matter of like that situation. It was literally just the way he was treating staff. And those conversations led towards what basically they put it together like, oh, these were things he did when he was in Boston as well. And that's when Jackie basically put out this her, her story. I still think it was unnecessary. I think at this point, it is what it is. But I personally don't think it's as big as she's, the article is trying to make it seem. And, I mean, we, we, we know there's players with particular things. You know, we've seen, my, we've heard stories of Michael, whether he punched Kerr or not. You know, the, there's a bunch of people, you know, who do... But remember, we heard that story because Steve Kerr eventually told us that story. Yeah, but there's also other incidents with like Horace Grant where he talks about where like Michael will get mad if you follow him hard during scrimmages. And who did that story come from? Horace Grant. I get it. But I'm just saying, again, this goes into it, the whole social media thing mm-hmm. and uh, the access we have to these athletes in this era to these things coming out to be bigger than, appears to be bigger than what it is. Could you imagine if there was FaceTime during the, the fight with Kurt Michael? Like, that shit would have been live streaming been beautiful. somewhere. Dude, you know I mean? wish, look, just, I wish there was Twitter during Malice in the Palace. Oh. <laughs> I wish we had social media when Kobe was elbowing teammates during practice. Oh. Like, I wish these things were around, okay? <laughs> like, there's a few moments where you're just like, Imagine if we had X, Y, and Z during this time. <laughs> no, it's true. But I mean, at this point, I just think it's 
it, it whether I'm not saying her article wasn't necessary. I just think it it's over it's overblowing whatever the yeah. issue is uh, is trying to highlight. I just think a lot of people are missing the mark on what's the more important conversation when it comes to what's being quote unquote mood swings and or like difficulties from Kyrie Irving. You know, like I, I look at it as you have somebody and and this isn't just extended to him, like it's extended across athletes and celebrities in general. Like we are literally stretching these people so thin and expecting them to still remain the people that we see in our heads. Or we want them to be. Or or that we fantasize you know, them like, to be like like the expectations that we have as fans or as observers and when they don't live up to those expectations now we feel we have free range to just unload on them and it's like no at a certain point you got to remember that these people are human just like you are yeah and i mean if somebody on a daily basis like if we had 20 people that just daily railed us and critiqued us for what we did bro you only need two but that's I what I mean. Need to, like 20 just, is too much. I'm saying 20 for it's like the extent of what they have, which is the thousands, would be equivalent to 20 for us. No. And it's just 20 people who on a daily basis just, oh, I saw you stepped with your right foot before you went with your left foot when you're walking down the stairs, you weirdo. You know, it's like just random shit like that. You know, oh, I saw you paid with change instead of like pulling out some bills. You broke, you know, like shit like that. If that was a daily occurrence. We would literally lose our fucking minds. So imagine a celebrity or imagine an athlete who the second they step out there, if they have a turnover. Right. They lose a you game. Butterfinger motherfucker. You can't. Like, I mean, look, I'm guilty of it. I'm not saying this as if I'm holier than that. Like, oh, you tweeted at somebody before? Dwight Howard. He knows it. I am guilty of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're petty AF, bro. I am guilty of it. But, I hope you. you, hope you, you oh, I, but it's one of those things where. It's not something I do anymore. You should tweet at him right now. He's playing very good for the Lakers. I, no, I don't tweet at athletes or celebrities anymore. No. You should. I have grown. I've learned from my hey, past I think mistakes. I think Dwight owes an acknowledgement since he was one of them that hey, you he, bashed. Look, let's see if he can maintain it for a whole season. Hey, at this point, he's going to get that contract. Hey, it, let's see if in January he's still doing this. I'm sure he will be. That, that's all I could say on that. Um, well, while we're on the topic of acknowledging players, I'm going to say this now. If Steph Curry cannot bring this ragtag Warriors team to the playoffs, okay. a lot of people are going to have to reassess the way they looked at Russell Westbrook. What do you mean by that? Because Russell Westbrook, for multiple seasons in OKC, as the lead man, right, and people were saying he was stat padding and just trying to get his triple doubles, but I remember this guy constantly making it to the playoffs, either as a five, six, or seven seed, okay, with a ragtag group of guys, okay, whether they got knocked out in the first or not, making it to the playoffs. You know who also did that? I know a lot of people have done that. LeBron James. Damn right. If Steph Curry, this season... Starts pulling out the excuses and can't get that team to the playoffs. He won't. There's no. I, I don't think he will either. He won't. I, I think and if, I honestly, if they ever get to the playoffs I with this team, it's because of Russell. This team would have been a seven-eight seed. The way they're looking, mm -mm. they're going to be right down there with the Kings, looking at the lottery picks. <laughs> it's good for them. 
in the long term, yeah. But I'm gonna have to have some real talks about Steph Curry on this. Uh, He's worth two hundred and what five million. This for these few years, the next two years, <laughs> we're gonna have to have some conversations. I'm just I'm putting it out there. We don't have to have it now. I'm just putting it out there for the future. So just mark this. I've always said he was overrated, but you know. No, I, I'm not saying he's overrated. He is. I'm just saying. I'm going. I'm going. I've went on the you're, record. You're the and I only stick to person it. in NBA history to be a unanimous MVP. You've gone out there. You you had one of the greatest records in the regular season, albeit you lost in the final. Yeah, but that's the one that counts. If you can't bring, if you can't do it, if you can't, we're gonna have to have a conversation. Stephen Curry could barely bring himself bring himself to the fucking playoffs. This guy have ankles weaker than a brand new baby deer. You know that he's been having that, that ankle problems. That is not problems. my concern. Oh God, that is not my concern at all. They, and they, now he has a broken hand. Hey, <laughs> Westbrook never made excuses. I don't. Hey, I love Brody. Same. I've always been a fan of Westbrook. <laughs> I wish he was in, uh, you know, my Lakers. Well, I should even say that sounds funny to say. I, I love wish how you just I, I, acknowledge. I wish he was playing with LeBron Whoa. James. Tyler, mark this down. We do, all heard it, right? Do not timestamp that. He shit. said his Lakers. What time was that? Woo, one oh four, maybe around one oh four forty, something like that. He said my Lakers. Oh, I wish Jason was here for that one. What was that? His birthday gift or something? I guess you could consider you, you've that. You officially one. jumped on the bandwagon? Not at all. Oh, it sounds like it. You said my Lakers. I I, I didn't mean to say that. We have to get you a complimentary hat. It's been a long day. You know, I've been up since like six thirty this get morning. Get your nice uh, jersey over there. No, thank you. You know what I'm saying? Unless it's an MPLS, Mister Purple and Gold. No, huh? no. Look at you, baby blue and white. Look at you, purple and gold, Jamali. You guys are crazy. Um, yo, you know what? I respect it. Fuck out of here. I'm not no it. Lakers fan. Yo, I'm a LeBron yo, claim fan. Claim your team. I'm not. Claim your team, yo. Hey, I'm wherever LeBron goes. Yo, you you just said my Lakers. I, I heard LeBron might go to New Orleans next. No, 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 no. no. So I'm going to be out a of, Pelican out fan. Out of the mouth of babes comes the truth. And my friend, you just said my Lakers. For this season and forever, as long as I LeBron's honestly there. think we should end on a high note. That's definitely a low <laughs> note for me. So this I don't is know. A high note I think that is very selfish. Me. Before I become annoying, guys, do you have do you have any last thoughts? Any last thoughts? About your Lakers. <laughs> Not really, man. I just think, as I always say, love is love and try to be kind and loving to each other. My last thoughts, I'm going to give it up to uh, John Witherspoon, who unfortunately passed away last week, literally the day after we finished last recording. Last Wednesday. You know, it's uh, if you've ever just indulged in black comedy, it's impossible to not know who Pops is. He was damn near pops and everything, whether it was the Wayne Brothers, the Friday movies. He is just I like Pick the Boondocks. Oh, yeah, he's like, true. Yeah. He's just one of those guys that you recognizable, a legend in comedy, somebody who's made people across the board laugh. If you don't know who John Witherspoon is, please do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube. Do your research. Do your Googles. You will not be disappointed. He's hilarious. He's charismatic. He's just, 
he's one of those guys that is worth the time to know. Most definitely. Rest in power to the great John Witherspoon. Yep. You leave behind a legacy that will never be forgotten. You made me laugh countless times. Thank you so much for your contribution to my life. To you. Guys. I don't toast with waters full of of, uh, lead. Sorry. Don't don't ruin a good moment. Don't ruin a good moment. I'm just saying. Don't put nothing in there. Thank you guys for watching and listening to another episode of the Don't Be Mad podcast. As always, you know, you can reach us Twitter and Instagram, Don't Be Mad Pod, or on Facebook, Don't Be Mad Podcast. We will see you guys next week for uh, my post-birthday celebration. Also, shout out to Chelsea. Just had an incredible comeback draw against Ajax in the Champions League. Bro, your last word is long as My last word shall go as long as I deem it. It sucks. Fuck Chelsea. 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 You guys are third. I don't care. I don't care. We had a great match today. Come back from being down 4-1 to draw it to make sure that we still keep in the running for their Champions League group. You will respect the swag, Mr. Europa League. Yeah, that's what I thought. Till next week, guys. Cheers. We out.